Welcome back, everybody. I have with me today Dr. Celine. He's a financial expert, but so much more. He's soon to be our president and an active member in the ASIPP leadership, an individual who can give us great insight into the challenges of the COVID virus and our medical practice, available resources, and financial options. Some of the upsides, some of the downsides. Also, what Medicare can do for us and what available monies we can get now before it runs out. At the time of this podcast, it's about ready to run out. And we have to be forward thinking on how we're going to do this, how we're going to reopen. We talk about that. And it, more importantly, it's a, an individual with confidence. He's a good one to listen to in some of these troubled and seemingly dark times. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it isn't a truck. We're going to get through this. As we continue this series on coronavirus, I have a very distinguished guest. And this guest is, uh, in the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, a emerging president in about two years, I believe. We look forward to that. And more importantly, a businessman. What our discussion's about today, it's about the business side of the coronavirus, because I, I think everybody realizes uh, it's not business as normal. We've done the new norm. We're seeing the new norm transform itself. About daily, we hear different statistics, different modeling, examples of where we got it right and where we didn't get it right. But I do know one thing is important. The business side is rocking the medical community, and we don't want it to limit access to patient care. What we want is superb access, enhanced access. And like I said, if anything good comes out of this, we're going to see technology revolutionize itself to televisits, to extension visits, to maybe even figuring out what the smartphone can do for us. So within that, though, the realities are the regulatory agencies, HIPAA, how we have to approach the business side of what we do. It's not brick and mortar and pencils and paper. It's electronic payments. It's about grants. And it's about a different way of looking at keeping your doors open. So uh, my guest today, I'll let tell you a little bit about himself. He's well known to many of us. Uh, go ahead and tell us uh, about yourself. Thank you, Dr. Hansen. I, my name is Amol Soyan. I'm an interventional pain management physician in Dayton, Ohio. It's the same city I grew up. I did my residency in anesthesiology at Rush in Chicago and then my fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic before starting private practice. Uh, in addition to opening a private practice pain management center, I also own a surgery center and uh, I'm really into research uh, and have been for quite some time. Um, some of my research has led to various patents and some of them have spun off into independent uh, companies that are startups. Um, so I've developed a portfolio of companies and I've had some exits um, and use that capital to then start a venture capital fund to invest in more startups. Um, some of my uh, companies, most of them are in the pain management field, the nerve stimulator neuromodulation company called Neuros Medical, which has raised um, about $60 million in venture capital financing is in its pivotal trial. Uh, I co-invented a non-addicting opioid pain management pill that 
signed a $225 million out-licensing agreement for that particular company. And another one of my venture capital uh, companies um, that I've invested in as an early-stage seed investor had a $788 million exit to Sanofi for a next-generation insulin molecule. Uh, my portfolio of companies have signed exit deals worth over a transactional value of over $1 billion uh, realized to uh, to my shareholders um, and as a result, I have um, really been thinking a lot about um, the business aspects and how we're all going to survive as pain management practitioners and small business owners during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, as you know, they stopped elective procedures, which for a procedural-based specialty like ours is very difficult all of a sudden uh, to make ends meet. Uh, we have employees and we have staff, uh, not to mention various states have had stay-at-home orders, so patient volume has dropped significantly, in which case practices have had to become adaptable. So we've had to adapt new ways of seeing patients, as you mentioned, by adopting things like telemedicine, telephone visits, e-visits, um, or if we have to see patients in our office, uh, complying with strict social distancing requirements, assessing patients' temperatures and, and symptoms and travel history prior to even seeing them, uh, and these types of things happen. But, but we all know as practitioners and owners of small businesses, um, your billing trails about four to six weeks from when you've seen patients. So now we're at the stage where for the past month our volumes have been quite low and we're going to have some difficult financial decisions to make. That's uh, true, and it comes down to the realities of staff, of just keeping the lights on, and the reality of what we do when we get up in the morning. Do we stay at home and do telemedicine, or do we go in expose ourselves to potential risk and our staff and our family and do we make these decisions based on need or do we make them based on safety it's all access to care isn't it yeah access to care is an important thing uh, but also taking care of yourself is okay financially i think it's something that doctors don't like talking about but it's something you have to recognize um you know you probably have mortgages and, and payments and utilities that are due and employee staffing uh compensation that's required so you have to make some decisions on, on what you want to do luckily with the passage of the cares act the stimulus program there are some options and opportunities that i think physicians should be looking at um, right now yeah, let's explore those. Okay, why don't we start off with the big, the big piece? As a matter of fact, there was a vote vote in the Senate today to extend it. Mitch McConnell wanted to go to six hundred million, and it it didn't make it. I'm sure they'll revisit that. I don't know if I'm, I'm not political at this moment, but I'm sure that's part of it. So, where is this going to take us, and what does it do? Well, there are a couple options available for you. Uh, the big one that a lot of people are talking about is the Small Business uh, Paycheck Protection Program uh, that was passed in the initial stimulus bill, and it's a fully forgivable loan as long as you keep your employees on payroll or if you rehire them quickly uh, before June 30th after you obtain the money. All small businesses with employees 500 or less are eligible uh, for that particular loan program. The CARES Act uh, authorized $349 billion 
billion dollars for this program, and that money dried up incredibly quick. Uh, multiple small businesses, as you know, is a big driver of our economy here. Applied for these loans, obviously not only physician practices, but hairdressers, restaurants, basically anyone with a small business. Uh, and as a result, um, they're concerned that there's not enough money to go around. So that vote happened today to see if they can extend or increase the uh, total package. Um, you can apply for that loan through your uh, traditional bank. So if you have a, a bank that you use, um, you should probably look there if you're an existing client. Um, those banks are typically SBA lenders for this program, uh, and there's an application process to do that. And it's not very onerous. Um, there's an application form from the SBA um, that's only about three pages long, and there's a formula where you take two and a half times your last month's payroll, and that's the maximum loan that you can get. But if you meet the requirements, the loan is forgivable, so it essentially becomes like a grant, uh, which is something that we probably want to be taking advantage of. Yeah, it's an incredible opportunity, but it has to be done right. And I guess that's the purpose of the ASIP educational end of things, uh, ASIP.org, and our podcast today. So we did fill out that application. It took a few days because there were so many applicants, we just couldn't get it through. Be prepared for that, but work with your bank. And I have heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the smaller banks get it done a little easier than the huge banks. Is that true? Absolutely true. And if you have an opportunity to work with a small bank or a regional bank, I would suggest to go there first. Their processes were very lean and efficient. And if you look at when Trump gave his press release or press conference after the program was enacted, most of what he was talking about were small banks. Uh, one suggestion that I have, if you are... If you are an owner of a small practice and have access to all the information that you need to fill out the loan application is to log in late. Um, I put mine in at like 2 o'clock in the morning and didn't have any <laughs> issues too. timing out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you try it from 8 to 5, I mean, it's going to be very difficult just to navigate from page to page even um, because the bandwidth is, is an issue. I mean, everyone's doing Zoom meetings, and, and not only that, they're also applying for this loan and uh, teleconferencing, et cetera. There's just a huge strain on the bandwidth in general in this country. There is. So to find out more about CARES, where would someone go? Where would a practitioner go? So I would suggest you could actually Google the term Paycheck Protection Program SBA Forgivable Loan would be a very good thing to put in your Google toolbar, and you could find out a lot of information uh, there. Um, in addition to the CARES Act of the PPP, there's some other things that are very helpful. Uh, for example, they also have uh, Medicare has the ability to request for advance payments. Uh, that's only a one-page form. So if you were to Google Medicare accelerated payments and then the name of your state, um, it should pull up this form because uh, it's based on your region. So, for example, Cigna Government Services runs Ohio. There's a one-page form that we filled out, and you can request to – they have a, suggested that you take the last 60 days of your Medicare payment and you request for that amount, and they will give it to you within seven business days. Actually, I sent my um, form in last Friday, and my account was funded on Tuesday of this week. So it's incredibly quick. But the advantage of that is it works as an interest-free bridge loan, um, so there's no interest with it. And it's paid back in 210 days. They start withdrawing money within 120 days. You have a maximum of 210 days to pay it back. And they just do that by 
your future billings and claims to Medicare. And since they already have your EFT, electronic fund transfer information, they just transfer the money right into your account, and then they debit it before um, the claims are processed and reach your account in the future. So it's kind of a very simple way to get money rapidly that's interest-free, and um, you know the payback kind of happens automatically, electronically, based on your future claims. It's a really good program if you need money right away because the funding is very quick. But you got to be um, ready to pay it back, and there's a lot of misconception about that. People think that it's free money. This is not the free money loan. This is to be paid back, and I've heard that they're trying to extend it to 180 days. Is that correct? They're trying. I wouldn't uh, count on it until it actually happens, right. uh, although ASIP is instrumental in lobbying uh, CMS with that and for some positive things, but it's not fully uh, been approved yet. So let's just assume it's 120 days, and, and that's something to consider. So if you had to think of anything, the Paycheck Protection Program is, is the way to go. There's a second opportunity, though, um, this economic disaster loan from the SBA. Now, the this particular loan is um, from the Small Business Administration itself. It's not from your local bank. And to apply for that, you would type in uh, SBA disaster loan. Uh, You could even type in COVID-19. And if you click that um, link, which would probably be the first thing that comes up, there's about a four or five page application where they don't ask for a lot of documents. Uh, But what you can do is request for a $10,000 grant that is forgivable to keep operations and maintain payroll. When you apply for this, when it first came out, they suggested to apply for it and you would get funded within three days. I applied for it about uh, nine days ago, March 30th, actually, when it first came out out and I have not heard anything yet so uh, I know they're having some challenges there and today I just heard that um, when I first applied they said you know if you apply for this you're in line for ten thousand dollars today I just heard they're going to change that because so many people have been applying for it there's not enough money left in that grant package that if you have less than 10 employees they will compensate you a maximum of one thousand per employee yeah that's an important loan though and i think you said recently that it's a no-brainer it's something that should be applied for because it is forgivable and there is money there somewhere so i i would i would encourage folks just look into it and go get it if you can do you agree with that I absolutely agree. I, after you listen to this podcast or while you're listening to this podcast, I would suggest to uh, to Google that Small Business Administration Disaster Loan. You could even type in like $10,000 grant or coronavirus. Uh, that'll be either the very top or one of the top links that, that pops up and, and fill out that application. It doesn't take long at all. And, uh, you know, worst case scenarios, you get nothing. Best case scenarios, you, you get, you know, that, that forgivable grant. Okay, is there any other monies out there that we could hunt up? Yeah, yeah. So within that same program, the disaster loan program, you can get that $10,000 grant. And first of all, whatever money you get there, if you do get one of those Paycheck Protection Program grants, you would have to subtract that amount from there as far as being forgivable. But in that same application set in the Small Business Administration website, you can apply for a disaster loan. This is not forgivable, but it is a loan where they give a 3.75% interest rate uh, for a business. The terms are not to exceed um, 30 years. You can apply for up to $2 million, but that is determined um, by the SBA on your ability to repay the loan. 
collateral will be taken on loans if it's over $25,000, and you have to apply a personal guarantee on loans if it's over $200,000. But this is extra money that's out there uh, to think about and to consider. Um, the interest rate is can, can consider to be okay, according to some, at 3.75%. Although with the Fed lowering rates so much, um, even local banks may be able to compete with something like that. Something to think about uh, if you need capital. There's a lot of programs out there right now that are giving capital. They don't want small businesses to fail. So if you're a small business owner and you're worried about it, I really think you should be taking advantage of one or all of these things. Well, it, it, I... I completely agree with you. You can bounce that against your local bank. If you have a good relationship with your bank and you've got some collateral, like you've got some equity in your house or something, your bank might be real interested in working with you. So what else is out there? Well, the other option, and I see this in large hospitals and and very large physician groups, over 500 employees, because when you look at that cohort of businesses, the incentives aren't that much in the CARES Act. I mean, it was really focused on a lot of small businesses and individual citizens. Um, There's two other programs out there for larger um, entities, or even small entities can take advantage of these. One is you can um, apply for a payroll tax deferral. Uh, That doesn't mean you don't have to pay the payroll taxes. It just means you can defer them uh, to a later date. I know that a lot of large hospitals and entities are doing this type of thing. A lot of large businesses are to try and save costs as they're operating relatively lean. The other option is to consider furloughing your employees uh, and and having them apply for unemployment. And initially that was a challenge, right? You don't want to let your employees go, but I've seen a lot of local hospitals in my region uh, do that and, and a lot of big companies do that. And their thinking is this. Well, if you apply for unemployment, the benefits vary state to state. So in Ohio, if you apply, you can actually get 50% of your uh, current paycheck through this program up to if you make over $110,000 a year, then it's capped at that, at that amount. The government is also applying additional payroll insurance support to hopefully increase that 50% number even higher. Now, we don't know exactly where that number is going to lie, but um, it's certainly an option opportunity. Employees can apply weekly for this program. So you can furlough them for a week. They can get their unemployment checks, and if things change the following week, you can hire them back on. Also, you can pay up to 20% of their current salary, and they would still be eligible for their payroll benefit. At least that's how it is in the state of Ohio. And also in Ohio, they assigned a very specific employer ID number. Uh, It starts with the number two uh, for anyone affected by coronavirus. Because normally when you apply for unemployment, uh, you have to apply for your specific company. Uh, But this way, your company doesn't get dinged for um, having people on unemployment. It all gets uh, billed to the state program. Um, So it's something to think about in your respective states to to look into that as an option or opportunity, Uh, particularly if nothing else is working out for you loan-wise or or, or you don't want to do it for various strategic reasons. Uh, One option is to furlough some staff um, and and do it that way. Yeah, and we should mention that if you jump into the CARES program, you you can rehire some of those furloughed employees, and it's encouraged. And there's an 80% threshold for CARES, isn't there? Correct. So, you you know, you can get the money based on two and a half times your payroll. But if you don't maintain your employee staff, 
the portion that you take will not be forgivable. Um, so let's say you let go of 50% of your staff. The conventional wisdom is, is that half of the loan that you take out will not be forgivable. Um, but there is a threshold. You have to maintain at least 80% of your staff. If you have furloughed um, some of your employees and you get the, uh, the PPP money, you have until June 30th to hire them back without any penalty to you. Uh, and you can still be forgiven. And that makes a lot of sense. Now, it's not that you as an employer or business owner actually make more money because that money comes from the government to you and is supposed to be there to secure the paycheck. So that basically filters down to your employee. But it really does help your employee, right, which is important. Plus, they may be able to do some work that's productive for you. That's true. And if your patient volume is down, that's a good way to strategically, as you say, increase your forward thinking at three, six, nine, and 12 months, because it's not going to be an immediate restart. And you're going to have to kind of ramp up. And it's going to be all about employees. I mean, loyal employees are the strongest assets you have. And getting them back is part of the component of access to care. Now, there there's a couple more components of the CARES Act that I think folks really need to be cognizant of, and it's worth, absolutely worth talking to your tax folks because you'll probably want two accounts. Do you think so? I do think so. Um, I think it's smart to do that, to have things separated. It would be a lot easier to track um, how you're doing things. Um, and I definitely think it's very important to talk to an accountant. There's a lot of lawyers, uh, legal firms out there that are also offering a lot of advice uh, to small businesses. Uh, might be worth it to um, either contact one or e- even our local law firms are, are posting stuff on their website that's kind of free intel um, that you could look at. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a law firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, named Taft. It's actually literally named after the president, uh, William Howard Taft, who's from Ohio, the fattest president, right? But anyways, <laughs> they actually have a, a COVID-19 group that posts stuff every day, and it's been very helpful uh, for us physicians. Actually, um, our the form that we all use in Ohio for the request for accelerated advanced payments, we initially downloaded that from that website. Uh-huh. Um, and distributed it to all of our we distributed to all of our pain members once we saw that they posted that in so Ohio. that location on the web is uh, Taft Law Firm or what would they find they Google yeah, it I, 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 yeah I would just Google Taft Cincinnati Law Firm uh, and it'll be the first thing that pops up okay that's that's real good information what other pearls do we have because yeah this is a first for everybody and yeah. when you signed up for medical school, you probably never thought you'd be staring down the barrel of the government and jumping in as a rescue. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think when it comes to running a business, um, one thing that you mentioned earlier that I want to really stress is that uh, really good employees are, are really worth gold. Uh, and every time I've had a successful business, uh, and I've had, you know, um, things really work out. At the end of the day, it was actually driven by the talented people that were part of the team. Because a lot of times you can have great ideas and stuff like that. But if you don't have the people to execute it, you're nothing. So it's important to really take care of those people 
you know the the sacred employees that you have uh and try to try to make sure that they're taken care of because they're undergoing a lot of stress too at home i mean they're probably homeschooling their kids right now and they're worried mm-hmm. about you know living w- without a paycheck or, or a diminished paycheck so if you can um, help that, that out it's important and also if you let staff go and have to hire new people it's very expensive to train new staff and it takes a long time for that to uh to happen you're right. And, yeah. you know, a medical practice is as good as your last referral. And if you make mistakes along the processing a patient, both on intake and outtake, because you got new people, I mean, it's business coming at you and business going out the door. So we're getting in both directions. Now, before we jump off here, I, I get asked by my employees about this money that the government is going to automatically deposit for them. What do you, what do you have in that discussion with your employees on that? Well, if you were to believe what is published uh, and what's been presented at press conferences, which they've said it so many times now, it has to happen in one way or the other. But um, basically there's money out there for people that, uh, reach a certain earning threshold, right? So a single person earning $75,000 or less or dual household earning earning more than that are eligible to incentive bonus checks from the government uh, for themselves. And then it's like $500 for each dependent child that they have. Um, that money was supposed to come on April 6th, but that date has come and gone and they yep. still haven't distributed it yet. Uh, that program is funded. Um, they did do math to come up with the amount that they would need in the initial stimulus package. Package, which has passed. So I imagine that it's a, I would hope that it's a matter of time before um, things get figured out and checks start to get distributed um, into patients' accounts. I'm telling my staff personally that, you know, this process is fraught with delays. Uh, we're seeing it left and right because it's very difficult to coordinate, you know, 100, a million, 100 million checks or something like that out to the public. So um, to kind of be patient, but also to plan for the worst. Right. Like just do not assume that money's coming uh, to protect yourself and plan just in case it doesn't come. And if it does come, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a bonus. Um, And for some staff that are actually due um, tax returns or, or you know, a check for for filing their taxes, it actually probably makes sense for them to file on April 15th. For those that would actually owe money, uh, it obviously makes sense to defer to July 15th. Yeah, I think most of our folks are going to do that. These are uh, tough times where you know going to the grocery store is not only dangerous now; it's it's fraught with financial stress, and we we find ourselves in really kind of uncharted, rapidly changing uh, times. So let's just say that Trump is right, and May first or somewhere close to that is when we start restarting the economy. How would you recommend? from a business standpoint, restarting the ship? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you have to realize it's probably not going to restart overnight, right? And we don't exactly know what day we will restart, but I would suspect we're going to have some transparency as things move forward. Uh, and we should probably know at least a week or two ahead of time that things are looking like it's going to 
you know, start to, to come back. In which case, you know, you could probably start hedging and, and scheduling some patients um, for live visits or even some procedures if, if it looks like that's going to open up. Um, I think it's important to take this time now that everyone has time <laughs> to figure out other things like a marketing plan for you when you open back up. Um, you know, if you have staff, you know, kind of sitting around, they can kind of work on ways to reach out to potential referral sources. Uh, that's important. You potentially take this time to update your electronic medical record templates uh, to do some, you know, cleaning up on that end to make sure that, that everything um, is good there. And, uh, you know, I'm telling my staff, look, we're really slow right now, but just be ready because towards the end of summer or fall, it's probably going to be really rocking because, you know, you're going to have to really make up for lost time. And if you're a small business owner and, you know, seeing patients and treating them and doing procedures are, are how you have to bring uh food on your table I mean, it might be a thing where this summer fall and even winter um, you may not be taking much vacation time right because you're going to have to make up for lost days that we have uh, over this month or two here and you having surgery center is going to be maybe something you'd want to think proactively about and reach out to your surgeons and say let's say our start date is x how would we accommodate you on the schedule? What do you think you have in your list of procedures that are on hold so we can look forward and plan ahead? And that includes getting supplies because supplies are tight now and your surgery center, and if you're proactive, is going to run out of supplies fast and have trouble getting them. Once again, another slowdown. So now's a good time to really be uh, forward thinking, don't you think? Yeah. yeah, I would think so. I agree completely. And I don't know what's going to happen with supplies because, you know, we completely closed the surgery center and we donated our um, our PPE here locally to our health department. So, um, you know, we're going to have to really restock and retool before we can even open again. Yeah, that's true. Anything else that we we missed that we didn't talk about or you know i I, we could go on and on like uh what do we do with the cell phone how do we bill with the cell phone if if an elderly person doesn't have a computer or somebody's computer illiterate we could go on and talk about tele tele visits Uh, you know how do you bill for it and i think you're going to be able to find that on the uh, website at asip and it's going to be changing a little and it's not going to go smoothly but that doesn't mean it isn't going to work because it has to work. So any closing thoughts? Uh, no, uh, other than, you know, just be safe, uh, follow the rules of social distancing, make sure you take care of your employees and your staff. Uh, even positive comments go a really long way. Right. Uh, appreciating right. your employees go a long way. Writing them letters uh, of, of thank you and, and how you appreciate them can be quite helpful for the morale because a lot of people are undergoing just emotional stress, too, in addition to all of this. And sometimes that's helpful for you. And, and frankly, sometimes it's your responsibility as an employer to maintain uh, you know, a happy staff. It is. And if somebody is an individual that is a a pivotal individual that's making a difference, uh, a gift card isn't a bad idea. Or uh, just going out and buying a little thank you note, that shows that, you know, you took the initiative. We know it. We acknowledge it. And I've done a few of those. So, you know, it's, it's the little things that really matter. And your staff is going to be the cornerstone of your success in six months. So think forward. And I want to thank you for coming on. And to your continued success, which is remarkable, you're going to be a leader in this field. 
years to come. So we're going to look back at this as a hiccup, I hope, an ugly hiccup, but not a scar. Everybody think positively, and as you said, stay safe. Practice what the CDC recommends. Uh, Fauci's going to be man of the year with Burks right at his <laughs> side or vice versa. Yeah. And uh, and I, I hope they have uh, safe success from here forward. They've been fantastic. So thanks to everybody, and I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sween. That was a clear voice in a confusing landscape that is in uncertain times. Sometimes we see the darkness before we see the light, but it appears that we're slowly winning this battle and that we can return to some type of normalcy soon. We will look forward to having Dr. Suing back. We appreciate you listening.